actually did more money in the first three months than I did in almost three years combined. Well, you know what I would say on uh, just hearing that is that sometimes the safety net is what holds you back from performing, right? Mm -hmm. So you got, you jumped into a sink or swim, you know, you, you're the baby yeah. bird that fell out of the nest. You better fly. You know, when you do that, you find out, you know, wait a minute, I, I, I can fly, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, and there was definitely a, it was a scary jump for me for sure. <laughs> and, uh, So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome, Money Talkers. I have a very special guest with me today. Uh, I have Jake Anderson, and Jake actually started his own entrepreneurial journey in 2008 at the age of 24 years old. Um, you know, he struggled for a few years, but then he got into it and he launched his first successful business in 2012, serving in the special events industry. And what's amazing that Jake's been able to do is scale his business and then step out of the operations and really work on the business from outside of it, uh, which is really a major goal for a lot of people. Jake's a husband and a father of two boys, and he still runs his business around the family first philosophy. Today, Jake has started a brand new mission that I'm excited to talk to him about. Uh, it's serving other entrepreneurial fathers to help them achieve greatness in business while serving their family to the highest level. So he has launched a new podcast, and he is the host of Chief Executive Dad Podcast. Jake? Thanks for being here. Cody, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Man, this is going to be fun. I, we, um, we talked a little bit about uh, beforehand jumping on here, and Jake and I have talked in the past, and uh, very similar paths in our, in our dad lives. <laughs> and uh, dad and business lives with the struggles and the, and the, and the wins that you get to celebrate. So, um, I don't know, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit, of back, kind of a little bit about your background, like how you got to um, – you know, where you got to where, what you learned along the way to being able to step back and scale the business. And uh, let's just kind of give the readers a little bit about of where you started before becoming a dapreneur. Yeah, sure. Um, so my, my story, as, as you mentioned, kind of dates back to 2008, but I, I would say I actually got bit by the entrepreneurial bug when I was 18 years old. And I went into college, I studied business finance with the intention to being an entrepreneur. And I chose finance because I thought, well, you know, I had six different options for a concentration. I thought, well, figuring out the money side of it seems to be the most challenging and complex. And I feel like with business, there's, there's such an involvement of money and having that financial literacy. That's why I chose finance. 
And when I got out of school, my first job out of school was actually as a bank examiner. So I was a financial analyst. And, um, you know, I know, Cody, you were in banking, too. So we can we, we can definitely take some dives into the banking world, especially during the time when I graduated, which was in 06, which was right at the peak before the, uh, the crash happened. And uh, so, you know, I, I got into the banking industry, you know, and I think you were in, in, involved around that same time, too. So yeah, we got to see the worst time in the history of uh, <laughs> the world to be a banker. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were living in the same world during that time. But um, so at the t- at, during that year, during those years, right after school, I thought, well, I want to be an entrepreneur. So let's take some action. And I remember college didn't really prime me like I was expecting for entrepreneurship. It gave me some fundamentals on on finance and some some business business principles. But, you know, when it came time to kind of crafting out a business plan, and figuring out the execution strategy. A lot of that I had to kind of learn on my own through trial and error. And my first step was, um, and at this time I was living at home and my mom's got 26 acres of, of property. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful land. It's up in um, uh, Salem, Virginia, if anybody's familiar with that part of the world. It's kind of Southwest Appalachian Mountain territory. So my, my thought was, I wanna keep my expenses as low as possible but I don't want to live at home. So instead I bought a 1979 Winnebago and I was going to live in it up on this property, like kind of back in the woods, Unabomber style, you know? (laughs) And, um, so that's what I did. And I, and in this Winnebago, I actually only lived in it for a month. I couldn't take it anymore. And I gotta be honest with you, as you know, I had an RV dealership and I know what a 1979 (laughs) Winnebago is. That was a bold move. (laughs) Well, you know, what's crazy, Cody, it had like 26,000 miles on it. I I couldn't believe it. So I ended up actually, I ended up flipping it, making a little bit of money. And, um, but, but it was, (laughs) it was something I lived in for for a month. But while I was in this Winnebago, I wrote a business plan. It was a bad business plan, but it nonetheless, it was a business plan. And, and then I sought out mentorship, which uh, I found it was an older gentleman. He was kind of near the end of his retirement years. And he was in, um, he did a lot of concert production and entertainment booking. He worked with a lot of country music artists. And that was kind of the first step was to be in entertainment procurement and working on that scale of, of, of events. Um, I will say, you know, this is 2008 and he agreed to be, you know, to work with me. I guess he just saw a young guy who was ambitious um, I know he wasn't sold on my business plan because looking back on it, it was, it was very bad, but, um, but he saw, he saw an ambitious guy and he saw somebody who was really looking to, um, I guess the entrepreneurial spirit and it was something that he saw in me. So he was kind of looking for the protege for his business. And I guess he looked at me as being that protege. Well, I'll cut a long story short and just say that I was not very successful in entertainment booking. Um, it was a lot of spinning the wheels. It was really hard to find buyers um, and just find find relationships in that industry that I could break into. A lot of them were already uh, established. And especially in special events, it's really hard to break a, a, a very established relationship because they're events and you get one shot to get them right. And when you have a relationship with somebody who knows who can consistently deliver you don't want to take a chance on somebody new regardless yeah, trust of is going to be a big factor of a price so it's where do you where do you where do you compete if you don't yeah if, you know if you're going to try and break that thing you say oh i can do it for less well yeah but mm-hmm. is the show going to go bad that's going to be yeah, a absolutely yeah oh and and, and the same <laughs> carried forward into the weddings and special events industry which is really where I, I ended up kind of carrying my career to 
so in 2010, I, I ended up moving to uh, Richmond. And, um, and that's when I really got ser- a, a lot more serious about my mission. And, um, and I started DJing. That was kind of my first gig in the special events industry. Uh, I didn't like DJing. It was just an opportunity to make money and it kind of fell in my lap. Um, but it made, made me a little bit of money, but more importantly, it actually got me into the event spaces and I actually got to see kind of how things were ran. And that's when I discovered lighting. So lighting was the first real traction that I found in that industry. The DJing was kind of peppered here or there. I'd get a gig here or there. And it was actually another company who was putting me on some jobs, but, um, but the actual lighting design is where. I discovered a niche. It was something that I connected with pretty well from a creative standpoint. And uh, I just was getting referrals. And then in 20, uh, 2012, I decided, because from 20, 2008 to 2012, I was still working with this individual, with this older guy who was supposed to be kind of a mentor. And I was working under his flag or his brand, which had a 30-year name to it, but it was in concerts. It wasn't really in weddings and events. And in a lot of ways, that partnership was really holding me back. And I come to that realization in 2012 when there were just, it was almost like running through water. You know, you see that you see there's opportunity there and you're running for it, but, but this relationship's really holding it back. So I disbanded from that 2012 launched my brand, uh, which was lighting professors. That was the name of my company. And I still own it to this day. And it was, it was crazy Cody because for you know, basically, and I, and I like to start the clock really at 2010 because that's when I moved to Richmond and got in special events. But from 2010 to 2012, September 2012, so almost three years, and, I, and I'll be completely open about this, I did 27000 in revenue, okay, <laughs> so which is not very much. It's a side business. In fact, yeah. I probably lost money when I really factor in my expenses. I don't even want to think about it, but that's what happened. The first three months after I disbanded from this partnership, I did thirty grand in revenue. Yeah. So I actually did more once I realized that there was a problem and I eliminated that relationship, I actually did more money in the first three months than I did in almost three years combined. Well, you know what I would say on uh, just hearing that is that sometimes the safety net is what holds you back from performing, right? Mm-hmm. So you got, you jumped into a sink or swim, you know, you, you're the baby yeah. bird that fell out of the nest you better fly. You know, when you do that, you find out, you know, wait a minute, I, I, I can fly, you know? Absolutely. I mean, it, and there was definitely a, it was a scary jump for me for sure. <laughs> and, uh, but it, there was also, there was a couple of tactical things that also I, I felt like once I eliminated those issues, one was the branding. Um, I actually would have, cause he was in concerts and this is kind of a I'm trying to think of how to explain it. Um, it, it was, it was an issue that I was aware of that he was, was kind of, I guess, disconnected from, or he didn't see as a problem, but his branding and his logo and his website was so outdated and it looked like something for concerts and I'm going for weddings. I actually would have venue managers come up to me and say, listen, I love you and I love working with you, but I'm literally embarrassed to give your card to my clients because of how bad it looks. 
I thought, really? That's interesting. So I remember like there was a few, that was one example of it, but there were a few issues like that. You think about that, Jake, it's like, uh, oh, don't worry. Like the bride's not real visual about her wedding anyway, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. She doesn't really care how it looks. So don't worry about that, right? Like like, that's, that's probably one industry where. You, you probably couldn't pick a more highly scrutinized. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, it really makes a difference. The, the, the visual connections there. And I had actually invested quite a bit of money into my branding, which was money worth spent or worth invested when I got started, because I understood that there was a huge visual connection and, and creating that relationship in your branding was so important. Um, but, you know, from that point on, uh, you know, the business kind of just skyrocketed, you know, from that momentum never slowed down. And in 2014, that was when I left my full-time job and I jumped ship full-time. And 2015, um, was still in the operations. And I got to a point, especially so you, those, those Just to backtrack real quick, you still running this as a side hustle? Well, I, I would, I mean, it's a fully staffed business, but it's, yeah. it, I'm just not in the operations anymore. I no, but I mean, when you were, you said when you got, you, you left your full-time job, mm-hmm. is that when you, would you, were you considering the lighting your full-time job or were you still working? So I was still in banking yeah. in 2013 and then I left the banking job in 2014. And actually the, the day I left my banking job to go full-time in my business was also when my first son was born. I was going to ask you what, at what point of this long, the story were your kids born. So mm-hmm. you left the full-time job, the security in the bank mm-hmm. and, and went after your side hustle. I mean, I, I get it. It's a business. So I, I don't mean to like, I don't know, oh, no. yeah. but I mean, um, and, and at the same time, your son was born. Yeah. Boy, yeah. that's a sink or swim position too, huh? Yeah, it was, it, it, I have, a, I have this like track record of doing, of, of, I, I guess like one of my superpowers is I, I feel like I can take very scary steps in business and somehow be okay with it and, and be able to kind of maintain a grounded mental state as I go through it. Because that, a lot of people will look at that like you, I, mean, I remember when my parents looking at me like, you got to be nuts. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I thought, well, I, I just know that I need to be full time. And I, and I know for, for many reasons, it's the momentum um, I can see in my pipeline. Like there's some, it's like, it was a calculated risk. It wasn't all speculation. I knew it needed to happen. And um, in fact, you know, the, the year that um, in 2013, I think I did like, I think it was like 70,000 in revenue that year as a side business. And then the first year I went full time, I did 152, Yeah, but it had my full attention. And yeah. that's what happens when you give something your full attention. It just tends to even scale faster. Um, and actually that year in 2014, um, I also got my first office space too. And I actually had a little showroom and a place for people to meet. So I kind of positioned the company and the branding was all finished. So there was a lot of things I did to position the company to be ready for me full time as well, you know, and, and I made sure that those things were in place, but yeah, I was right when my son was born. So, you know, new father, new, new business, I'm, I'm in it full time. And it was a very scary year. 2015 was also a pretty tough year for me. We still grew, you know, in 2015, I think we doubled again. Yeah. Well, not quite double, but almost doubled again in, in revenue that year, 2015. But where I found myself, Cody, you know, during that time, I was working like hundred hour weeks, 
Um, I was doing everything myself. I was afraid to let go. You know, I had systems in place. They, they were kind of getting worked out and I had people working with me um, on a part-time basis, but I just got to a, a point where I was just drained and I knew that I needed to make a change and, and really the change I needed to make was I needed to let go and I needed to bring some people in full time and actually start working more on my business and kind of start pulling myself out of the operation. So that's what I did in 2016. I, is, I actually stepped out of the operations. I hired two guys to be uh, two guys to kind of serve in key management roles for sales and production. And, um, and, and that year um, we continued to grow, not as much growth as, as the year prior to that, but it really skyrocketed again in 2017. Um, after they had a year to kind of season into their roles. And then in 2017, I did another scary thing and I moved three hours from my business <laughs> uh, back to my hometown in Roanoke. And, um, and I did that for family. That was a family first decision. And that is the reason, you know, this kind of starts the whole philosophy around building a family first business is making decisions first for your family versus your business. And, um, and I knew that, you know, we didn't have any family in Richmond. I love Richmond. It was a great town and still is. I always enjoy going back to visit, but it just isn't home. You know, home is where I live now. It's in Roanoke and I'm closer to my parents and my, my, my kids have the opportunity to grow up with their, with seeing their grandparents more. Um, there were some things going on, you know, with my mom that I, I needed to be there for as well. So I wanted to make sure that I was there for her, but, um, but I made I sure heard, I had systems in place. I heard one thing though, there were like, and uh, that, that jumps out at me that can be applicable for parents is that you said, look, here's the goal I wanted to have. And then you work backwards into how to get there. Right. So mm -hmm. you said, I, I made a family first decision. I want to uh, move back to Roanoke. Right. Like it wasn't just, you know, uh, well, let's just move to Roanoke. It was like, okay, if I'm going to move three hours away, what, how, how do I spend more time with the family? Right. Right. How, do I, how do I get back to being close to our, our families, you know? And yeah. so you have to kind of set that goal and then back into how to do that. Like what systems is it going to take? What do I need to do to prepare for that? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think, I think a lot of times as parents, you know, obviously we make the decisions because we want the best things for our kids, but sometimes we, I don't feel, you know, maybe we don't, we don't look at the result we want and then work backwards like you would in a business. Right. You know, yeah. and, and oh, to take absolutely. that time to step out, to, to step back and almost say, like, it, it's just a thought I'm having with you where, you, you know, I, I believe in that working on my business, not in my business sometimes, but this is literally the first time I've ever thought about like working on my family, not in my family. Yeah. That's right? a great it, way of putting it. Yeah. It was kind of an opinion I just had as I was talking, yeah. listening to you and I'm like, you're strategically working you're like, okay, this is what I want to do for my family. How am I going to get there? Like back into it. Like you can do it all day in a production line, <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or like if you want to increase sales, like we got to increase, you know, leads and that kind of stuff. But like as a family, uh, you know, head of family, a CEO of the family, if you would, like mm -hmm. if, if there's something that you want for your family, first of all, you need to identify it. But second of all, like, Start, like, look at the steps it's going to take to get there and then realize if you can do that. Because if you can break down a big goal into small steps, it's very much more attainable. Yeah, and that's, I love that working on your family and not in your family and kind of that concept because as you're, and, and it's, 
And that's why I love like the, the whole dadpreneur thing is because it kind of encompasses the two major roles that you have as a father and then, you know, and, and father, family, man, you know, there are single fathers out there and then there are, you know, families, but they're all families, right? You know, we're all part of a family and then you have your entrepreneurship and that yep. is a lifestyle. So figuring out how you can work on both of them, but putting the family first Let's do this. I'm going to stop us there because I, um, I want to, we're going to do a, another section with you and, uh, okay. and do a second recording, but I think that's a good place to stop because right now is when I want to start getting into talking about being that dadpreneur and, yeah. uh, and the challenges and the, and, and the strategies that you're using to, uh, to, to raise a successful family and to, to put your children in the best uh, position to have success. Sure. So, um, Join us. Uh, we're going to take a break here and uh, catch us on episode two. Thank you, Jake. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. Please come join the Money Talkers community. Simply open up Facebook and search for the Money Talkers for parents who want successful children. Or if you're on Instagram, come follow us for weekly updates and quick successful mindset posts to impact your day. Our handle is at the money talkers. And remember, if you know somebody else out there that could benefit from this podcast, please, please make sure you share it home so we can have the biggest impact and change our young people's financial future. Let them know that you're a money talker.